Shall we begin? Let's begin. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Riley McRae with a scorpion kick. Two nil. Connor Metcalf. What a hit from Cameron Devlin. Finally, Nathaniel Atkinson. They've got that second goal, and it's with a first touch for Tilio. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast. It's me, Lockie, joined by James. G'day, g'day. And uh, we have a big episode coming up today. Lots to unpack. And you know, looking at this list of things that we're wanting to go through, I'm not even sure if we're going to be able to get through it all. So I'm making the decision right here, right now. There's going to be a special Vietnam episode happening tomorrow i'm uh sp- springing this on you wow James. Uh, that is crazy i'm excited for that look i have sprung this on you you make it sound like you knew about this already i i had no clue but man i'm just world cup fever has got me going i've been watching the afghan i've been waiting for the australian game so i'm just keen to have a special just in vietnam just you mentioning that has got me going. That sounds great. I can't tell whether you just are really good or really bad at being sarcastic. <laughs> no, no, mate. I am so excited. Once again, not going to be able to tell, but that is the mystery of this show. Uh, shall we get on to what we're here to do? Let's chat about what's happening around the grounds. Nathaniel Atkinson. It's all happening, isn't it? Oh, mate. I didn't know if you surely saw the highlight. That assist, the cut back, the dribble, the perfect pass. It was delightful. It was exciting, but probably most exciting. Like the assist was lovely, but just the overall play. He just got straight into it. And the Hearts fans, they already love him. They love his athleticism. It was said time and time again while in Australia, he's a natural athlete and he's seemed to go over to Scotland and proven that. And the fans love him. So, Bodes well for future game time. It definitely does. Now, for those who may have missed the last two episodes, go back and listen to them. But Nathaniel Atkinson, of course, got a move after playing really well at the Olympics and impressing there. He then uh, has been playing for City the last couple of months and got a move over to Hearts over in Scotland, made his debut in a cup match. I'm not going to attempt to say the name of the opposition, but uh, a 5-0 win for the side. It's just great to see. Also... It seemed that he was playing in a slightly higher role than his normal right back role, playing in a right mid sort of position, which is not uncommon to uh, what we may have seen him do at City. Um, but do you see him playing there for the future or, or is right back where he really is best at? Well, he's one of those players, Nathaniel. He very versatile, can play up high on the right, can play at right back, can play also at left back, which is something that is not spoken about enough for me, but... I think looking in the football world scene, hopefully we see him at right back a lot more. Uh, He's good at right mid, no doubt about that. But I think for his career's sake, the true potential lies at right back being a very explorative attacking right back that give you a lot of different dimensions to your attack. And it could be a case of Hart just wanted to see where he was reliably attacking a lot more. So they played him with more of an advanced role to give him that freedom. Would be not surprised at all to see him playing it right back in the future few games of hearts. Well, uh, another player who's doing incredibly well last week, unfortunately against my side, Brisbane Raw, Craig Goodwin 
has managed to find form and just in time for the World Cup qualifier uh, tomorrow night. He managed to get uh, two goals against the Raw in what was a, a pretty interesting game. Yeah, well, it was a very interesting game. Um, disappointing game from a Raw fan here, but you, you have to be encouraged by Craig Goodwin's play. Natural left footer, can play left wing, play also back as a left wing back if um, Arnold really wants to do that. Doubt it, but he can play there. Uh, but good to see a left-footed Australian doing well and the second in the squad. And I hope he does well. Me too, me too. Another player just finding form just in time. Jamie McLaren, four goals in four for Melbourne City. Now, we kind of said this about Tommy Rogic at Celtic uh, a couple of episodes ago. But for me, I, I don't know whether McLaren is really playing at his best. But what matters is that he is getting those goals whether he will get them uh, in the game against Vietnam or Oman as well. As long as he's taking those opportunities, that's what really matters for a striker, isn't it? Yeah, but what really worries me about uh, Jamie McLaren is, let, let's all be honest, we, most most football fans know Jamie, he's he's a poacher. He's a poacher through and through. He doesn't really contribute all that much to build up play. He won't find a killer pass. And from your poacher, you expect him to put away chances. But for Jamie... For, uh, five goals in the season on 5.72 XG is not a good return for a pure poacher. Really, for a pure poacher, you want that to be six, maybe even seven. So a bit unfortunate. Hopefully the last four uh, in four is a turnaround for him and he starts putting away the chances a bit more regularly. Let's move to transfer news. Last week, we were speculating two players and since then, both their transfers have been confirmed uh, we'll start with Milos Degenek. He was a Red Star in Serbia uh, and has now moved over to the MLS, the US Columbus Crew specifically. Uh, we, we did talk a little bit about this last week, but I think this is not a terrible move at his stage in his career to, be, to go somewhere where English is the first language and he's able to play in a decent side in a league that is up and coming as well, potentially get more eyes on him. I don't know what the popularity difference is, but uh, I think that'll be very good for him. What are your thoughts? I completely agree. Um, five, so five years ago, that's a fair time span. I would not be a fan of the move at all, but looking at where the MLS is five years down the road, the reality is we are starting to see some up-and-coming world-class players coming out of the MLS. Scouts are all over it. We're starting to see a lot more of the Brazilian, the Argentine, the Colombian youngsters move up into the MLS so it's really becoming a hotbed for players before they make the leap to Europe to really hone their football. So for Milos, he's going to have to come up against a lot of tricky, fast, creative American mid uh, forwards. And that would be really good for him getting some good playing time under his belt, especially going into a World Cup where hopefully they get there and will play some of those world-class, tricky, creative forwards. The other one is big in the A-League. Lots of chat about it. I'm talking, of course, about Jason Cummings. I guess he's more known as, as Cumdog. Famous for knocking Liverpool out of the FA Cup while he was at Shrewsbury. And now he's going to be hopefully knocking down uh, some big teams in the A-League for Central Coast Mariners. Yeah, I'm super excited about this move. Uh, not just for the character. I think the character will be super exciting. I think it's a great chance for the A-Leagues to get some good um, social influence, let's say. Mm. But most importantly, Jason Cummings eligible still to play for Australia. So could be of note. Especially interesting considering how much press and hype has been around Daniel Sturridge in, within the A-Leagues over the last little bit. And of course, he's one of the best players uh, 
to have played for Liverpool in the last 10 years. But at this point in the season, Daniel, he's only doing 30-minute stints off the bench. Hopefully with a character like Cummins, Cummings, hopefully with a character like Cummings coming in and providing a bit of excitement to the league and providing that character that we know Daniel Sturridge is also, it'll be really, really good. And he's still in his mid-20s. So there's an opportunity for him maybe to become like a Thomas Broich where he refines his form, refines who he is as a player in the A-League and goes down as one of the all-time greats, potentially picking up Socceroos caps along the way. My biggest worry with it, though, is not to discredit the Central Coast for what it is. There's a lot of distractions potentially down there. The culture is very unique, so hopefully he can... The sauce bottles. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, the sauce bottles and many other uh, condiments known to be down in Gosford. So hopefully he can keep his head down and not go too much into his party attitude. I uh, I really want Jason Cummings to appear as one of the sauce bottles. I think that would be very entertaining. Mate, that would be a clip for the ages. It would be. Uh, another player that has moved, and he's been picked as a part of Graham's squad for this upcoming World Cup qualifier. It's Martin Boyle, and he's moving over to Saudi Arabia for three million pounds. He's going to be earning 1.5 per season, moving from Hibs to Al-Fazali. I think I pronounced that correctly. So what are your thoughts on this move? Um, it's, it's a tricky one. I The standard of football in Saudi Arabia is improving. This is true. Is it better than the Scottish leagues? No. But at the same time, at this stage of the career, I cannot discredit a man for taking the money and taking care of his family for the for generational wealth. So you've got to, you know, allow that. You've got to keep that in account that at the end of the day, it was a business. But for a player going into his last World Cup cycle, likely, it's a bit unfortunate. But with how close we are to the World Cup, I think it will be okay. It's very interesting because he is 28 years old. I don't know, even if we qualify for 2026, whether he makes the squad kind of depends on how well he continues to play. But, you know, at his age, 28 years old, he'll be 32 by the time the next World Cup rolls around. And that's not to say that once you hit 30, uh, you start declining. But I don't don't know. It it could be an interesting one. Yeah, he's a player that relies on pace. So his pace could start declining. Uh, but I mean, if we don't qualify for 2026, mate, I'll be very worried considering it's how many teams? 200? Yeah, they have <laughs> something like that. They have announced that they're expanding the 2026 World Cup. So hopefully we do qualify. Look, I totally understand. A little bit different, in my opinion, to Aaron Moy's decision to move to China. I am personally not the biggest fan of that move. I think uh, it's a little bit different, but it's much of a muchness. Good luck to him. And hopefully he continues to put up great performances for the Socceroos because that's really what matters here. Yeah, of course, mate. And like I said, you cannot blame a man for looking after his family and that's what this move is. It's very true. One man who is also looking after his family, is attempting to look after his family, is Graham Arnold. He's announced his 25-man squad for the upcoming qualifiers against Vietnam and Oman playing in Vietnam on Thursday night, tomorrow night is when it's all kicking off. And then we've got a game next week against Oman uh, away from home. And uh, before we get into that, I just wanted to say a quick thing on Graham Arnold. I don't know if you saw this earlier this week, James, but there was an article that was published by the City Morning Herald and it was fascinating. It truly 
was fascinating. I don't know whether you read before the last set of qualifiers, potentially Graham Arnold did a really long in-depth interview, which I think the, the desired effect was that it would win over the Australian footballing public. And we'd see that Arnie is just a human like you and I, we'd see he's a really nice guy. Uh, and, and I don't know him personally, so I can't say whether that is true or not, uh, but definitely from a marketing perspective, from a PR perspective, that's really seemed like what he was going after. And he's done another one of these pieces. And let me just read the headline to you. It's Arnold adamant he won't be defined by World Cup fate as Socceroos face watershed week. Now, I don't know about you. This doesn't instill confidence in me as an Australian football fan. I don't know if it instills confidence in the players. I don't know whether they're aware of these news headlines that are going around. I would imagine they potentially are, but some of these quotes in here are just absolutely baffling. He says, if I gave up, if I retired tomorrow, I've been pretty happy with what I've done in my life in Australian football. You know, I've been to two World Cups. I've been to four Olympics. I've won trophies and played overseas. For my potential, I had a very good playing career, so I'd be pretty happy. And to me, heading into one of the most crucial fixtures of the year, of the last maybe three years in Australian football, that's not the sort of thing I want to be hearing from my national team manager. I want to hear that we're going to take it to them. I want to hear that we are going to qualify, even though it's out of our hands at this point in time, but we are going to get three points against Vietnam. We're going to get another three points against Oman, and hopefully that the results will fall in our favor. It really sounds like he doesn't have the confidence that we're going to win, which is strange from a man who screams and preaches that he's all about instilling confidence in the players. It just, I don't know, there's such a dissonance in what he says to the footballing public in press conferences versus these articles that have been published. I'd love to know your thoughts. I think, to be honest, it's out of touch. I think that's what the reality is. He is... I mean, we've seen a few of these articles come out recently where he's speaking about, oh, the players' feelings, emotions. I have to take that into account when making team selections, when doing team talks. And he's, these articles, these PR block pieces almost coming out, trying to, it feels like he's trying to soften the blow almost. Mm. He's trying to predict like, oh, this may not go well. We may not make it out. We may finish third. Let me start padding it now and make it so it sounds like, oh, if we go out, we have to be kind to the players. Where in reality, the onus is on him because I feel like he has put the players in a position to make it difficult. And I think because of that, the onus falls on him. So all these pieces of him trying to deflect blame onto the players, but then also saying, oh, we have to be kind to the players. We have to keep an account to the players' feelings, which are all very true, I have to say. I have to preface that very clearly. Players are humans. Managers are humans, but for him to try and deflect and say, this isn't my legacy, which is a fair point to make, but then immediately going in and speaking about his playing career, which was decades ago, is just out of touch and something that just mental to me to say right before probably the two biggest games for the Socceroos in the last year. Mm. And it's, I think it's fascinating because just like on a personal psychological level, totally on board with people having a set of standards that they set themselves and, and not allowing other people dictating who they are. So w- whether it be, I want to be someone who's really genuine. I want to be someone who's really trustworthy. Um, I want to be someone of integrity and not letting other people's opinions define that. But 
when you are in such a high performance role as Graham Arnold is, who is going to potentially be the first manager to not qualify for the World Cup after the recent success that we've had in the Australian national team. And you're saying stuff like, oh, the one we lost to Japan was due to an own goal and we played 12 matches away from home. I understand that COVID has made things really, really difficult, but it just feels like he's trying to just put out as many excuses and see if as many of them stick as possible so that he potentially saves face if we don't qualify. And that's not what we want to be going after. That would be horrible to be the only manager in Australia's history to miss out through AFC. It would be. Now, that's that's a lot that we've said about Graham Arnold, and I really I hope for his sake that we do qualify. But will this squad get us across the line? That's the big question that we have to talk about. Let's, let's unpack this squad. Um, first off, we'll go through his goalkeepers that he's selected. Um, Matt Ryan... I, I think that's a that's a solid choice. We both had Matt Ryan in our 25-man squad as well. Uh, he's also picked Danny Vukovic, uh, which is someone who I personally hadn't picked, but I understand the selection of him. I think that's a, a f- fine backup. And the third one, which I think is really strange, uh, is Andrew Redmayne. After the performances that he's issued the last two weeks in the A-League, he conceded an absolute howler the other night Brandon O'Neill scoring against his old side. He just got caught in no man's land, making really terrible decisions. And I don't know about you. Some people are saying, well, he's only going to be the third keeper. He's not going to get any game time. But for me, I'd like to think that players work really hard and, and earn their spot as a keeper. And even if they don't get game time, even getting called up to the soccer squad is an honor. And I just feel like a Birigidi or an Izzo should be feeling a little bit hard done by. I completely agree. When you're looking at a third choice keeper, there's three areas that you go down. There's three roads. You either go down the road of, I want to bring in a young keeper to get experience in the first team setup. Redmayne is not that. You go down the, I want an experienced keeper that's been involved in the national setup a lot to help support my younger keepers who are maybe better now. Once again, Redmayne is not that. The third road is I want to reward someone for fine form. And Redmayne, who in the last fortnight has been megged from a penalty, a goal, from a penalty <laughs> has spilled the ball to Brandon O'Neill's feet and then run out in no man's land after it ping-pongs around and then gets a tap-in against him after being caught well outside his six-yard box has been called up. When you have Izzo doing clean sheets pretty much every week, it feels like, and Berrigitti, who has been the second best keeper statistically in the A-League comfortably after Jamie Young's howlers recently. So it's just mental to me that Redmayne has been called up. And dare I say, Sydney FC bias. Wow. Uh, I don't know if I was going to use those three words, if you count FC as one word. Um, I don't know if I was going to use those three words this episode. But the more we go through this list, I, I don't know. It's obviously your mind that you have to make up. But personally, I think that Arnie has relied on some of his favorites in this squad. Let's keep on moving through. Bayich, we both agreed, makes sense. Good decision. Uh, Degenek, I think a great decision once again. And I wonder whether he'll be even trying to push to play even better, especially after getting his move to Columbus crew, wanting to impress uh, the new fans that he's got over there, the, the new coach, the new team. Uh, over there as well. So I think he's a solid decision. I agree. And I think the thing about Deng is he's a strong, physical, imposing centre-back. 
and he's going to be the Salter replacement. Salter obviously suffered a devastating injury last time out. Torn ACL, really, really well saddening and heartbreaking to such an up-and-coming young Australian player. But on the plus side, Denyak, a player that's very much multiple, strong, physical, imposing, very good in the air. And I think Denyak will be starting in South's place. Yeah, I, I think so as well. The next player that is a real head-scratcher, and I would admit him as well, uh, once again, Sydney FC's Ryan Grant. Now, I, I did a little bit of research about this. I want to make sure that if I'm upset about a decision that it's backed up by stats or something substantial rather than just emotions. And so I did a little bit of research into this. Uh, Ryan Grant in the A-League, when compared to other right backs who have played five games or more, he does have the second best match rating. I'll give him that at 7.27 behind Josh Rooston. Looking at tackles one, he sits in fourth position behind Aquilina, Jason Garrier, once again, Josh Rooston up the top. Key passes, he is sitting well below where you would expect someone in the Australian national team Galloway sitting in number one, Josh Risden at number two, Aquilina, Hoffman, and then Grant. Pass accuracy, uh, he's sitting in fourth behind Hoffman, Galloway, Hingott. Jack Hingott is better at pass accuracy than Ryan Grant is. Interceptions, he does lead the charge with interceptions. Dribbles succeeded, Josh Risden absolutely blowing everyone else out of the water with 19 successful dribbles. Grant is only sitting at one. And then goal contributions, well, not a lot of right backs are contributing to goals in the A-League at the moment. But for me, looking at these stats, it's clear that Risden should be that player that's that's in there. Whether they're starting or whether Fran Karacic is starting instead, Risden should be there. Aquilina is in the conversation as well, especially if you want someone who's a little bit younger, getting them into the squad and getting them used to the national team setup. Or... Galloway is one of the best right backs in Australia. Now, I wouldn't pick Galloway, but I certainly wouldn't have picked Grant. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the, what Graham Arnold likes in his fullbacks at both sides is someone that can push up high, that is comfortable playing on the overlap, but also on the underlap to come inside as a winger in the, what you call uh, the channels in football. So the channel is when you have a fullback defending and a centre-back defending the space between the two. He likes his fullback to come up into that space and that is called an underlap when the winger sits wider of the fullback. And Grant has shown he can do that and he does it for Sydney FC. So you could argue stylistically it makes sense. Mm. But there has to be a point where form is more important to a decision-making process than stylistic decisions. And I think the reality is, especially with Aloisi doing his style of football at Western United, Risden's been doing the same things Mm. and he's been in better form. So I think it is incredibly unfair to Risden to choose Grant. Um, You could say, well, look overseas, you've got Axenson and you've got these other players starting to come through for Australia overseas. That's That's a different argument. The main thing that really disappoints me and frustrates me about this decision by Graham Arnold is that when you look at Ryan Grant, he has not been the best player in the A-League this season. So the decision doesn't make sense. Stylistically, there have been better players from right back in the A-League this season. So the selection of Ryan Grant does not make sense. And based on form, he has not been the best player in the A-League this season. So the selection doesn't make sense. And that, to be honest, it bewilders me. You could say, well, international experience. I do not care about international experience 
if your performance in the international team has been poor. If he's been playing well for the international team, sure, he hasn't. Big words from James. Of course, the other player that was selected to play at right back, Frank Karacic, I've got no issues with him being there. I think he's been playing well for his side over in Italy, Brescia. I think, for me, he starts at right back. Another player, first call-up for the squad, and A-Leagues were going big about this. I don't know whether I fully agree with this selection, but King, Joel King, he played at the Olympics for Australia. He obviously has experience under Arnold being a Sydney FC player as well, coming through the academy there. I don't know if it fully makes sense for me. Bayich will start both games, I imagine. But if Bayich gets injured, I don't know whether King is the right player to come on and to play well at a national team standard. I hope that I'm proven wrong. I think he is definitely one for the future. And and Graham has said that he's chosen him to get him used to the squad, get him used to being around the national team setup. But I I just don't know. I, I looked into King as well because if you told me that three Sydney FC defenders were going to be a part of Graham's squad, this squad, seeing how they're going in the A-League. It's, it's not pretty numbers. I, once again, decide to look into, is it just me, or is there actually some stats to back this up? Once again, average match rating. King sits down in sixth position behind Scott Jamison, someone who I said should make the squad in, in the squad that I selected. Jacob Farrell. The man that you've been saying, hey, he should get a call-up. Ryan Kiddo, Jason Davidson, and Ben Garuccio, also above Joel King for average match rating. Jamison is absolutely wiping the floor with the number of tackles that he's making uh, in comparison to the rest. King sits down once again in sixth position. Key passes. Jamison sits up in first with 12 key passes. King is... Well behind him with four key passes, passing accuracy. Garuccio's at 85%. King is in second at 84%, uh, which is good. Interceptions. Farrell leads the charge there with uh, 16. King with 12 interceptions as well. And uh, dribbles succeeded. King has only made two successful dribbles. The player who's doing a fantastic job in that regard is Josh Cavallo uh, with seven. King in third last. So... He's not doing a wonderful job in, in that regard. And goal contributions, Jamison is leading, but it's because he's on set pieces for Melbourne City as well. So once again, a little bit of a confusing one for me. I don't mind it if he doesn't get game time. I just think that he's still a little bit of a raw product. And even at the Olympics, I don't think he was our best player by all means. Yeah, I agree. Um, the weird thing for me is squad composition. So when I look at the centre-backs, we're going to come to him soon, but the only left-footed centre-back in the team, Rouse. So you don't have any left-footed centre-backs that can step over and cover at left-back. There's only one. You could say Goodwin. He's played left-back before. So, okay, fair play. Goodwin, he can cover a bit. Don't know how reliable he is. He hasn't played there since his time in Holland. So not exactly familiar there, but it's there. He's an option. But what frustrates me before I get onto the whole Sydney FC thing is... You're back for more of the Sydney FC pie. I I will. I will be. But before I get there is you've selected a player for the future. Okay. Sure. Fair. He's a backup. Select a player for the future that's been better than Farrell. At the end of the day, if you just look at the player, that's my difference. 
on the Sydney FC level, they have been poor defensively. If you want to select two Sydney FC defenders, your rationale must be, oh, the goalkeeper's clearly been poor. Well, you've gone and selected the Sydney FC goalkeeper. So if it isn't the goalkeeper's fault, it's the defender's fault. But you've chosen two of their starting four defenders. It just doesn't make sense, Graham. You've really gone after him using his first name. That's a real mum move right there. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to keep it real. I've got to keep it real, mate. And uh, I feel like I should clarify because... I'm not against the King decision either. Being the Soccer Who's podcast, we're about the future of Australian football and seeing those young players make their way into the national team. I just feel like it's yeah. a little bit too early for him. If he was outstanding in the A-League and, and maybe in a similar position to Nathaniel Atkinson and getting attention from clubs overseas, then sure, I would 100% be behind this. But it, it's just a little bit of a head-scratcher for me. Let's move on. Ryan McGowan, he's back in the side. Will he start? That's a big question. Are there other players that maybe could have been picked ahead of him? Look, maybe, probably. But having him around the squad as an older head, as an older figure, I think that's a wise selection. And I'm not, I'm not against it. Yeah, I'm not against it either. Um, I think, for me, it's the hypocritical nature of selecting Gowan and then not selecting a certain striker, which we'll get to later. Big T's. Stick around to find out exactly who James is talking about. Let's keep moving. Let's keep this going. Kyle Rolls getting called up for the first time to the national squad. He was called up at the Olympics and and performed pretty well there. He's been performing quite well in the A-League for Central Coast Mariners uh, and really has become an influential figure in their side, especially losing Ruan Chonyuk in that side. He's been out for the last little while. I think this is a good decision. I'm, I'm a fan of this decision. And I think this will be really good for him. Hopefully he'll be able to then push on in the weeks and months to come. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a good decision. I love left-footed centre-back. I think it's really important for a balance of squad to have left-footed centre-back. But one centre-back that's been admitted that I do have a lot of issue with is the recently converted Australian, Stensness. Mm. So previously defected from New Zealand to Australia. Like Pavlova. Like Russell Crowe, Gianni Stensness missed out the New Zealander to Australian. Yeah, he got the call up. He came. He didn't get capped. And now he's been immediately dropped from the squad. You could say, oh, yeah, his performances haven't been good enough. You could say, well, he clearly isn't up to level yet. But Graham Arnold has gone on about his desire to treat the players as humans, his desire to care for them and to keep an account their desires and also how well they'll then perform at club level and just the emotional sturdiness that comes with playing professional football to then drop a player after making him change his national, his national allegiance to not cap him in that time. It is one really unfortunate for Stensness, but also Volpardo, these other dual citizens, they will look to that. They will see that. They'll see what Graham Arnold has done and said, you've just made a player switch allegiances and then never capped him and then dropped him from your next squad. It's poor manner management for me. And I think it's really unfortunate because these other young dual citizen Australians, they'll see that. You make a great point there. I, uh, I wonder whether he's the sort of player that maybe wasn't released by his club because these matches do fall outside of the FIFA window. So clubs don't have to release them. Because I agree with you. It's a bit of a head-scratcher as to why uh, Gianni wasn't 
picked in this side. I don't exactly know who he would replace, whether he'd come in for Rolls or McGowan, because Degenek and Sainsbury seem to be the solid Locks. choices. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know where he comes in. I hope for his sake that he does get selected soon. Maybe he, he would have been there for McGowan, but considering the number of other young players, McGowan is not a terrible choice to be in that side to provide a bit of experience. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's just so bewildering to me mm. to not cap him and then drop him. And I hope that it's a club situation we haven't heard of and that can provide some clarity to it. Let's keep the ball rolling. Just mentioned Sainsbury has been selected. I don't have anything against that selection. I think that's a, a yeah, solid one. Pick. That makes sense. And it's really heartwarming to see him back in the side, especially seeing what that meant to him after the last round, that press conference that he did. He was in tears. Like, that was really, it warmed my heart towards him. And I think he's got the quality to continue to anchor <sighs> Australia. Yep. It's one of those players where quality, you kind of just have to get him in the squad just based on the quality. Let's keep moving. Aiden Hrustich. He won't be able to play in the game against Vietnam because he has picked up too many yellow cards, but he'll be especially needed in that game against Oman next week. Jackson Irvine performing well for club, whether he plays in center midfield or whether he sits a little bit deeper. That's the big question. We'll have to work out what will happen there. James Jago, a bit of an interesting one. He's retained uh, his spot after being in the squad last round. And I think he's probably our first choice at center defensive mid. I, I don't know. It really depends on how Arnie wants to play. But I think he, he for me, is that anchor man. He's the closest thing we have to Emile Yedinak, to a Mark Milligan. And I think he needs to be in that squad. In terms of in the squad, yes. I think the closest thing we have got dropped in Holland, which Ooh. is really unfortunate for me. I'm a huge, I love Holland. I think he's a very good footballer. I like his ability to dictate tempo from deep play good short passes, retain the ball, but then also be combative. But also like Yiko, he also gives you that, not to the same ability, I think, as Holland, but I like Yiko. I think he's a good player. No complaints from me. Moving on, the Triple M, not sponsored by the radio station. Riley McGree, Connor Metcalf, and Aaron Moy. I think they have been a part of the squads most recently. Metcalf has been called back up. He was uh, dropped for the last squad, and, and now he's back in the side. And Aaron Moy as well dropped for the last round of fixtures, but he's back, and I think that makes sense. Whether whether Connor will get game time, I don't know whether he's there just for continued experience. Obviously playing at the Olympics and doing well there. Riley McGree, as we've talked about in the last couple of episodes, he's been performing exceptionally well, and I think that is a sound decision there. And, and Aaron Moy. Yeah, three players, very good. Um, my only issue is there three clear central midfielders along with Tommy Rosick, who has also retained his place in the squad. Uh, Tommy Rosick is the only player out of the four that can get up effectively into the final third and move around, pose danger. McGree, Metcalf, Moy, they all kind of do the same thing. And Irvine, if you're playing in more advanced, does the same thing. Um, so a bit concerned for me. One of the players I wanted was Danny De Silva. I think Danny De Silva gives you that ability to come in and play as a 10. So a bit unfortunate there, but I think Metcalf, who was the player that probably was selected over 
Danny De Silva is also a good choice. Left-footed central midfielder, very good ball retention rate, moves the ball effectively. Short passing is exceptional. I think overall a good choice, but I maybe wanted a bit more dynamism off the bench. Well, Metcalf is not afraid to have a crack on goal. We've seen that a number of times throughout the A-League. Hopefully a little bit of confidence in him against Vietnam. He'll be able to have a couple of shots from outside the box because he is known for doing that. And that'll especially be needed against Vietnam, who will sit as a low block to try and defend against Australia. Maybe one of those long shots will go in. We'll move it on. You've mentioned Rogic. He retains his spot on the side, and I think that's a, a great decision. No complaints from anyone should be around that. Shall we move on to the attack? This is a, a fascinating one. A couple of players in there, mm. some head scratches for me. Let's first tick off the players that I think deserve their spot in the side. Brandon Borello, uh, Martin Boyle, and Craig Goodwin. We talked about Craig just before. He's been performing well in the A-League. He's finding form, and that's what we need, a left-footed winger who's able to just perform when we need him to do that. Martin Boyle just got his move, and he's playing good football to back that up. There's a reason why he did get that life-changing transfer. And Brandon Borello, an opportunity to come back into the Australian side, and, and hopefully he takes it with both hands. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm certainly not opposed to Borello at all based on performances and also being playing, so no complaints there. Also, Boyle, should win. But Goodwin, I love the selection. I chose Connor Payne personally, but Goodwin is just as good for me. It's not a bit better based on his recent form. So fair play, Arnold. You got this one right, in my opinion. He's, uh, he's chosen Matt Leckie. In the first episode, we're talking about whether Leckie deserves to be called back into the squad because of his form. He then obviously listened to the pod as a bit of motivation and performed incredibly well for Melbourne City and he's he's back in the side I think Arnold will probably play him down the middle as a striker I think he, he does like to use him there and I think the decision I wouldn't have caused a big fuss if he wasn't selected in the side but I think it makes sense that he is in that squad yeah I agree um Leckie has been performing a bit better as of late had that one blinder of a game with a peach of a cross to Naboo then another nice assist to the other striker, Jamie McLaren. Jamie McLaren. Now, I don't know what to say about Jamie McLaren. I think he is performing. He's performing as we would expect of him in the A-League. Yeah. We highlighted his form earlier in the pod, um, highlighted his ex-Shivas goals. He, he's been a tiny bit underwhelming, you would say, but as expected, the question that has always been around him is, can he continue his form from a domestic level to an international level? Hasn't clicked yet. Could this be the window? I'm hoping for his sake and for the sake of our World Cup hopes, it is. One player I am excited about, Marco Tilio. He's been playing off the bench for Melbourne City. And ordinarily, if that was any other player who is playing off the bench for an A-League side, you might scratch your head as to why that player was selected in the side. But we've seen it at the Olympics that he's able to come on and provide a spark, provide something different in the same way that Daniel Arzani uh, was doing. Unfortunately, Arzani's lost his touch a little bit, needs to refine his form, regain his form. But Tilio has been performing incredibly well uh, when he's coming off the bench. I think it's a welcome addition to the side, hoping he'll get some game time in the next two fixtures. And I think he's especially one for the future. There's been big hype around him within the A-Leagues. He's been a central part of the campaign this year. And 
I'm excited to see what he does in the green and gold. I love the selection. I what I love about Marco Tilio is he can play on the left as a left footer, play as a winger, really pushing to the byline, trying to get around the defender, as we see quite often, and then playing a drag back. He can play on the right as an inside forward, cutting into his left foot. He can play as a 10, looking to play in the pockets of space just behind a striker. But we've also seen him play as a secondary striker in a two. So Mark Atelier, incredibly versatile, incredibly dynamic, has all the potential. And this year, 2022, could be the year of Mark Atelier that he finally breaks through in a big way and maybe gets a move to Europe. For his sake, I hope he does. And look, I don't want to finish on a bad note, but I guess that's exactly what I'm doing with Mitch Duke. He's been a staple of Arnie's squads recently. But uh, as we were talking about just before the show, he hasn't scored a goal at club level since, what, early November last year. November 3rd. November 3rd. His most recent goal was for the Australian national team against China. Is that the sort of thing you want from a player who will no doubt be an impact player off the bench? He is the target man that Arnie does like to rely on yes. and, and bring on in the last 30 minutes of the game. But I just I don't understand this selection when you've got Nikita Rukovica who's arguably a better player. Yeah, so the argument for Mitch Duke is he's a target man. Gives you a lot in hold-up play and build-up play. So you could argue that the goals aren't necessary. But the realist, the, however, the realistic thing is that Graham Arnold and the Australian national side have struggled for goals. We have struggled to break down teams. So selecting a target man that helps him build up play isn't necessarily conducive to solving the issue, especially when that target man also isn't scoring. But I highlighted it earlier with McGowan. Ruka was that player that I'm very frustrated with. McGowan, he's playing his club level football in Kuwait. The only argument that makes sense to me to not select Ruka is Israel and the Israeli league is not a high enough level of football. But when you are selecting players that are playing out of Kuwait, when you have good centre-back options that can give you the same thing as McGowan playing at a high level that are playing just as well as he is in Kuwait, it makes zero sense to not select Ruka when Duke is playing poorly in the J2. It's just a classic Arnold favourite to me that doesn't make much sense to be in the team. Do you know what, James? I totally agree with you. I think that Duke shouldn't be in that side. And I can't think of many people who would disagree with us on that one. But if you're listening to this right now and you're going, do you know what? You're absolute Muppets. And I do disagree with you. I would love to hear that. I would love to hear that on our socials. Check us out, Instagram and Twitter, at Pod. I'd love to know your thoughts about who you think deserves to be in the side, who doesn't deserve to be in the side. And uh, maybe a little conversation happening over there as well. That'll be it for this episode. We will have a special Vietnam episode up on Thursday morning. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you listen to that to know everything that you need to know in time for the World Cup qualifier Thursday night. Thanks for listening. Catch you later.